0: Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA Benchmarking Study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA Benchmarking Study is just one of many ways provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Hello and welcome to the RA Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are very excited to have a very special guest, someone I haven't talked to in a couple of years, but Rising star shouldn't say rising anymore. An established player and star in the wealth management industry, Matt Cosgrove, the director of wealth management at Bergen KBV. Matt, how are you?
1: Great, it's great to be with you, Mark. It's uh, it's fun to reconnect. It has been a couple of years, certainly since we've had a chance to connect in person. But uh, big fan of
0: the show and excited to be with you here today. Now uh, we're thrilled to have you. And you know, one of the many reasons that we're looking forward to this conversation here today. You know, we've talked about as everyone knows, growth you know for the last year or so. We actually launched RIA Edge almost exactly a year ago today. So thank you for being on our anniversary issue uh, episode here. I appreciate it, Matt. You know, we've talked about M&A, we've talked about organic growth, and we've been able to tell the stories of dozens of RIA firms over the last year. Um, and as I've said quite a bit on this show, if you've met one RIA, you have met one RIA. Um, we have not, however done a deep dive with a firm that is as unique as Bergen KDV and a firm that has really obviously a large presence in the tax and the CPA space. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about how you've grown given your unique position in the marketplace. Before we get into your growth story and some of the things that are making up a big part of your growth strategy, for those listeners here that are not familiar with Bergen KDV, Matt, maybe you could just start by giving a a brief history and also talking about your role and the wealth management business within Bergen KDB, please.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to, Mark. So Bergen KDB actually traces its roots back to to the 1940s. It's operated under a number of different names over the years, um, but really started as a small town uh, tax audit and accounting firm up in St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is about For those not familiar, about 75 miles northwest of the Twin Cities area. And it wasn't until probably the 1980s that the firm really started to sort of professionalize and grow. Um, Actually, our current CEO, Dave Henningkamp, was the firm's first intern, I want to say maybe back in 1984. And fast forward today, I promise I won't go year by year, but fast forward to roughly the 2000s. Um, Dave at the time actually had spent the first 20 years of his career as as an accountant. Uh, CPA by training and got kind of sick and tired of every December 31st, exaggerating for a little bit of effect. The entire year's worth of tax planning blown up when the clients, the advisor, the broker made a trade that sort of blew up the tax plan. And again, not, not maliciously intended, but just the left and the right hand didn't necessarily know what the other was doing. And so he, at that point, gave up actually all of his tax clients and launched our wealth management practice again, back in about 2000. Um, fast forward to today, uh, Burden KDV is a Midwest-based professional services firm. We do everything from tax audit, uh, payroll, 401k consulting, business transition, and then obviously wealth management. Uh, our wealth group is about $2 billion in assets. Obviously, that, that changes by the day given the environment that we're in currently. And then I guess lastly, Mark, my role as the director of wealth management group is really to drive the strategy in alignment with our broader one, one firm strategy and, and help drive growth uh, as an organization. So excited to be be here with you today and happy to share. And
0: right, thank you for the background, I appreciate it. And congrats on getting to the, the 2 billion mark. Um, and I completely understand why <laughs> you just stick with the flat number, right? Um, and don't look at it on a daily basis. Like you probably advise a lot of your clients not to right now, um, but some tremendous growth that you've experienced and really looking forward to digging into the story and some of the levers that you pulled to get there. Uh, maybe we break this into two parts, uh, where we talk about M&A and then separately we talk about organic growth, because I know, you know M&A has been a big part of the broader you know, growth story for Bergen KDV, um, and I'm very interested to learn what role it's played in the growth of wealth management business, but more specifically, what role it could play moving forward. You know, we've had a lot of discussions over the last few months about the M&A industry and activity levels, given what's been going on in the market, so I'm curious... I mean, you could start off by telling us what role has M&A played over the last couple of years in some of your growth? And based on where we are now, what opportunities might be ahead for Bergen KDB?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, M&A has been a pretty integral part to our firm's overall growth strategy for as long as I've been with the organization, which now is going on eight years. Um, specific to the accounting side, we've probably done anywhere from one to potentially upwards of five transactions a year now. Full disclosure, that's everything from two or three four-person shops to upwards of 100 employees. Uh, I think it was 2016, I want to say, was the last time we did a really sizable one. Um, And so it has been a a critical part of that. I would say we've started to take some of those capabilities in terms of deal sourcing, you know, due diligence, integration, et cetera, and ultimately value creation and and start to apply that to the wealth side. Um, So we've done probably three deals on the wealth management side, again, call it over roughly the last half dozen years um, in the process of, of doing some currently. And so that's a big part of it. But we really don't want to just do M&A to get bigger. We want to continue to get better as we grow. And so organic growth, I'm sure we'll talk more about in a second, is a big part of that. So we can try to apply sort of that that mousetrap, if you will, um, on the organic side to any M&A uh, or teams that we bring into sort of the mix for us.
0: Yeah. And as a, a buyer, um, I'm, I'm curious you know, where you see yourself Fitting into the broader wealth management ecosystem. I mean, we've had a lot of the larger you know, professional buyers, for example, on RIA Edge, but you know, it would seem like you offer something different. Um, so curious, where do you see yourself fitting into the broader M&A discussion and what problems does the wealth management business at Bergen KDV solve for a potential seller?
1: Yeah, so we um we're realistic about where we sort of spit on the bu- or, or sit, excuse me, on the buyer spectrum. Uh, we are not one of the big roll-ups. We are not trying to, you know, deal do 10, 12, 13, 14 deals a year. We're really trying to figure out two things. Where's the white space in terms of where we can be successful in our MA value proposition to your question is is going to solve problems for buyers. Um, but then also kind of where does it fit strategically for us? So we would Real we'll specifically think of ourselves as a strategic buyer. Um, and in terms of the problems, it's, it's a great question. One of the things, Mark, we started off as we started to take our M&A capabilities and apply them to the wealth side is building out our what we call our plan to win. Um, so defining really where we want to play and then ultimately how we think we can win. And, and more specifically, to answer the latter part of your question, winning in the terms of how can we help buy or sellers, excuse me. Um, in terms of their desires for their business. And, and specifically for us, you know, Burn KDV is about a 600-employee organization across the Midwest. And so we've got fairly robust, you know, HR, finance, administration, sales infrastructure built out across the organization. So I think one of the things certainly we're trying to accomplish um, in bringing teams together with us is being able to take some of that work off their plate so they can focus, you know, more on clients. And I think, you know, given our size, we can do that hopefully really well. Um, and then in addition, I think the organic growth engine we've built is something also that kind of ties into that, You know, being part of a larger CPA firm has allowed us to really leverage those, those relationships and partnerships across the firm to help drive organic growth, which again, I'm sure we'll talk more about. Um, and then the third would just be succession. I mean, that's obviously mm-hmm. one that just about any firm out there doing M&As is, is gonna be helping try to solve, but we really are looking more for sort of sell and stays. Uh, we want talents as, as many firms do, um, and so that's another part of, you know, what we're trying to both accomplish on our end, but then also give a firm might be still more career opportunities for their, for their team members.
0: I appreciate that. And it seems like you definitely, you know, fill a pretty unique gap, right? The, uh, the term white space was what you use. And, and I could see exactly where you fall into the M&A discussion, you know, for certain types of firms that you know, quite candidly, don't want to feel like they're being acquired, Right. And are really looking at a true partnership. Um, and to some extent, you know, an actual merger, even if that's not what the terms would state. Right. They want that feeling um, of somebody who's going to help them grow, somebody who understands their business, and they want to feel like they're part of something, you know, bigger. So appreciate you offering as much context and color as you did on the MA side. And would love to shift over just to the organic growth side and pick up on. What you just mentioned at the end there, um, some of the opportunities, whether it's through M and A or just more broadly, you know, some of your existing advisors that can come from being associated with you know, a national CPA firm. Um, you have people coming in the door, so to speak, right, all the time, and I imagine that that presents you with some pretty incredible opportunities to introduce wealth management, financial planning services. But you know, I'll let you tell that story um, and essentially what role that has played in the growth of your overall wealth management business. Yeah,
1: certainly we feel super fortunate as an organization and more specifically on the wealth management side to sort of come to work every day with, you know, I think last count call it two to 250 in turn, 250, excuse me, um, CPAs across our organization. And we like to say, we don't just specialize in tax, but we specialize in whether it's manufacturing tax or real yeah. estate and so I think as most of the audience knows, you know, CPAs tend to be the most trusted contact for the client. And so we feel, again, really lucky to be able to come to work with those people every day and be able to partner with them to help solve client issues.
0: All right, Matt, and I appreciate you sharing as much detail as you did about the referral program and partnership with Schwab. One other thing that I think would be interesting for our listeners is we've talked about here, proximity, geography, it doesn't really matter as much anymore as it did just three or four years ago. Um, an advisor has the ability to market to and work with you know, a prospect or a client pretty much anywhere in the country now. Um, so I'm curious, you know, with the way things have changed, the way you know, various different RIA firms are marketing their capabilities and are able to service and support clients at a national scale now, how have you been able to leverage just the national CPA firm, right, that you're part of, and also other outlets like the referral program, at a much broader level than ever before.
1: Yeah, I think it it definitely creates opportunities. Um, It it certainly does not come without challenges. And what I mean by it is just specifically that, we can work with people sort of effectively anywhere. Um, So I think from the opportunity lens, we have certainly onboarded as many firms have over the last couple of years, clients across the US, um, still predominantly in our region, Um, But that where we may not have even met them once in person for the course of the entire onboarding and sort of ongoing process and clients being more comfortable with that um, has allowed us to take advantage of of other online digital sort of client acquisition strategies where it whether it be something like Smart Asset or Zoe Advisor Network, um, Mm -hmm. where we don't necessarily have to limit ourselves to our geography. So that's been, um, you know, been really nice. As you noted, we're not the only firm that can take advantage of that. And so it increases the competition. And, you know, ultimately we feel pretty strongly that at the end of the day, um, clients are going to increasingly probably weight the local piece less. That's not to say that it will ever become unimportant, but really they're going to ask the question, who's the best in the world that's serving, you know, my particular unique needs. Um, and so I think continuing to hone our value proposition is something and how we differentiate is something we're continuing to work on and just becoming more focused on the clients that we can best serve and then ultimately, you know, being comfortable saying no to those that maybe don't fit into that, knowing that there's other firms out there that, you know, are going to have a better chance at working with them.
0: Sure. And I think it, it's good for you. It gives you more options. It's good for clients and investors because it gives them more options too. So we don't expect it will change the game overnight, but we do know that it's changed the way firms like yours are thinking about marketing. I'm glad you brought up, you know, smart asset and Zoe because you know it g- gives our audience a couple of other tools and potential partners to think about as you're also talking about you know, Schwab and you know, obviously being part of a broader you know, CPA enterprise. So, Thank you for touching on you know, a number of different you know, growth strategies that have been you know, driving success for Bergen KDV. You know, there's one final um, you know, topic that I wanted to touch, touch on with you, Matt. Um, when we were emailing before this, you had mentioned EOS, um, and I, I immediately thought, well, why are we talking about lip balm, um, a little, like egg-shaped you know, chapstick? And then I realized <laughs> something a little bit more sophisticated here. Um, and I know you were actually just on with Michael Kitts is talking about this too. But uh, for those of us who may be new right, to the topic of e- uh, EOS, one, what is it? And two, why is it starting to become more important and um, why are more firms embracing it in the wealth management space?
1: Why? Well, I'm, I'm glad we could clear up any confusion, Mark, on what it is. I, I <laughs> certainly tackled at that. Um, EOS is a uh, is an operating system. It actually stands for, as I think you noted, entrepreneurial o- operating system. And it's based off the book uh, written by Gino Wickman called Traction. I don't apologize. I don't know the year it was written. I want to say it was like the late 2000s um, or 2010s, roughly, Um, But in any event, it's something that we have been using for about 10 years. And to your question, um, kind of why is it becoming more popular? I I think it has a lot to do with just the professionalization of the broader wealth management industry. Um, I know you've noted on the podcast before, you know, historically, it's been a bit of a cottage industry and as firms, you know, as roll ups and private equity money really comes into the space and helps professionalize the industry, you know, more and more firms are getting to a point where they do need to have sort of a framework for operating their business, and so EOS focuses on six key components of running the business. Um, and again, I think predominantly that's the why. In terms, you've seen more and more firms adopting it, just given the growth of the industry and the need for um, sort of a framework to help operate the business. Again, it's something we feel very fortunate to have been using now for a number of years.
0: Is are there one or two you know principles that you would share? You mentioned the six elements of it. Um, Are there certain principles that you would share with me and the audience that are good examples of the benefits of embracing EOS?
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest one uh, we've seen at at our firm, just given sort of the diversity of solutions we have across the organization, is it it just breeds a ton of alignment. Um, You know, when you've got seven or eight different business lines, it can be really easy for one business unit to be rowing in one direction and another in another And EOS has created um, or has given us sort of a framework, if you will, a common language to stay aligned. And and, and more specifically, there's a a document called the VTO or the Vision Traction Organizer. And and to be really clear, Mark, none of what the book talks about is, is particularly revolutionary. Frankly, it's very simple, but it just allows us a common language across the organization to talk about our vision you know, our mission, kind of our core values, and then what is sort of the three-year picture and ultimately the one-year plan look like. And all of that ties together to make for a really sort of um, synchronized operating system. And I think that's been the biggest benefit. Um, it's not a magic bullet. There's certainly some shortfalls, which we probably don't have time to get into today, but uh, it has been a helpful tool and framework to, to moving us forward.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you adding that too, because we've talked about how important it is for, especially the firms that have been growing you know, the most in this industry, to really think about themselves as platforms, to really think about scale, um, and to really think about process, right, to the, the extent that you can, um, to help make sure that you know, you're continuing to grow, right, but doing it in the right way. Um, and you know, as we've seen firms that have doubled or tripled in size over the last 10 years, um, you blink and you wake up, and all of a sudden, you' you're a completely different business, right? You've gone from practice to business to maybe even enterprise, um, but have you internally adopted the framework, right um, to make sure that you can deliver at that level but also continue to grow if that's a priority. So I appreciate you bringing that up. We're always looking for you know specific suggestions and recommendations. um and traction is a great one for anybody who's not familiar with it. And before we wrap up here, um, I know we've covered a lot. We touched on M and A. We've gotten to some really helpful and thoughtful organic growth approaches and strategies. Um, but is there anything I didn't ask? You know, that I should ask about the growth story at Bergen KDB, and anything that would be particularly relevant for our audience to know before we sign off here?
1: No, I think we we covered a lot of ground today, Mark. This has been a, an amazing conversation. Hopefully, helpful for you and the listeners. Um, I don't think there's anything we, like I said, we covered a lot of ground from growth and yeah. i to the U.S. So um, again, appreciate the time and the opportunity to be on with you and look forward to hopefully being able to shake your hand
0: again sometime in, in the future in person. Absolutely. Looking forward to it as well. And I can't thank you enough for spending as much time with us as you did. Um, and also for just getting as specific as you did, the more specific, the better uh, for me as a host, I enjoy learning. Um, and I think our audience has a lot to, uh, to work with from this discussion here today. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And on behalf of the entire wealth management team at Informa Connect, thank you everybody for listening here today. I'm Mark Bruno and looking forward to having you all back, Matt, as a guest and our audience on the next episode of RIA Edge. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.